You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, The Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to The Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with The Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include a British teen is now the youngest person to circumnavigate the earth by plane, and the Baltimore mayor is recovering at home after testing positive for COVID-19. Here's your national news recap for the week of October 3rd. The suspect in a shooting at a North Texas high school is out on bond. Timothy Simpkins didn't say a word after he was released from a jail in Fort Worth Thursday morning. Arlington police say the 18-year-old pulled a gun on Wednesday inside Timberview High School, west of Dallas. A teacher and a 15-year-old were struck by bullets and are hospitalized. Two other injuries were also reported. Simpkins' family says bullying was a factor in the shooting and have apologized for the violence. He's accused of aggravated assault. A 47-page report released by the city inspector Thursday morning finds Mayor Bill de Blasio misused his security detail and that the official who was in charge of his protection purposefully got in the way of the city's investigation. One of the many allegations in the report details how de Blasio used the NYPD Intelligence Bureau Executive Protection Unit to bring his son back and forth from college at Yale. The report also cites numerous examples of how the mayor misused drivers for the benefits of his children. He had them run errands, and he used the EPU when he mounted a failed presidential campaign in the summer of 2019. The city inspector report goes into detail how the official in charge of the mayor's security detail obstructed their investigation into the EPU. City Hall is pushing back, saying that the report is inaccurate and based on illegitimate assumptions. The governors of New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania are coming together to share gun crime data. This effort aims to combat gun violence by tracking where illegal guns are coming from and how they're being used. The group says while their respective states have strong gun laws, firearms come in from other states that are less restrictive. They say sharing this information will help find straw purchasers, firearm traffickers, and other criminals. There are still several weeks left in the Atlantic hurricane season, but the tropics are relatively quiet. Right now, forecasters are giving a weak area of low pressure located off the coast of Georgia and South Carolina a low chance of developing. This week marks the five-year anniversary of Hurricane Matthew passing just offshore of Florida's east coast. The hurricane season doesn't end until November 30th. Comic-Con is back in New York City after being canceled last year due to the pandemic. Attendees at the Javits Center must show proof of vaccination for the event that goes through Sunday. The first Comic-Con was held in the city in 2006. This year, William Shatner is a featured guest, and there will also be a Battlestar Galactica retrospective. A Pennsylvania woman is being formally indicted and accused of stealing House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's laptop during the January 6th Capitol riot. Riley Williams is also facing seven other felony charges for breaching the Capitol grounds that day. Witnesses told police that Williams said she was going to sell the laptop to someone in Russia. 
It turns out the sale fell through and the police now think Williams still has the Hewlett Packard laptop or disposed of it. Video from the Capitol riot Williams allegedly shot that day shows her inside the California Democrats office. A popular recreation trail in Sarasota County, Florida is growing again. Officials cut the ribbon on a new section of the Legacy Trail connecting the southern portion of the bike path to the new northern extension in Sarasota. That means cyclists can travel from Bavista Street in Sarasota south to Venice. In 2018, voters approved a $65 million bond referendum to extend the trail to Payne Park in downtown Sarasota, and the final segment is set to open in December. Two teens are charged with a man's murder in northern Iowa. The Emmett County Sheriff's Office says 19-year-old Connor Udy and 18-year-old C.J. Vanderwelt are charged in the death of 20-year-old David McDowell of Esterville. The Sheriff's Office says McDowell's body was found Saturday along a rural Emmett County road. A man who spent part of his career hunting Nazis and working to deport them is dead. Neil Scher passed away Sunday in New York City at the age of 74. According to the New York Times, his wife said that he likely died due to cardiac arrest. Scher directed the Justice Department's Office of Special Investigations beginning in the 1980s and ran it for just over a decade. U.S. Marshals are asking for help identifying a man spotted at a 2016 Los Angeles Dodgers game who might have been a fugitive. John Ruffo was convicted in the late 1990s of a $350 million bank fraud scheme and sentenced to nearly 20 years in prison. He rented a car the day he was supposed to report to prison and drove to New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport. In September 2016, a tip came in that Ruffo may have been sitting behind home plate at a Dodgers game a month earlier. A man fitting Ruffo's description can be seen, although investigators have been unable to track him down. Investigators say he will likely be using an alias. Rutgers is renaming a building on its Newark campus due to its namesake's links to discrimination. Bradley Hall is named for Rutgers alumni Joseph Bradley. Bradley went on to become a U.S. Supreme Court justice. However, critics say he perpetuated discrimination against women and minorities when he and fellow justices voted to overturn the Civil Rights Act of 1875. The Labor Department reports 326,000 Americans filed first-time claims for unemployment benefits last week. That's 38,000 fewer than the previous week's revised total and well below analysts' estimate of 345,000. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. Hi, it's Ram, bringing you the latest in politics for the Rowan Report. U.S. District Court Judge Robert Pittman has ruled on a temporary basis to block the Texas SB-8 anti-abortion law on the 6th. It is unclear how long this will remain in effect. Texas has already filed notice that it will appeal Pittman's ruling to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, expecting to seek an immediate stay from the court on the judge's order. Some Texas abortion providers have reported that they are resuming services, but they are in a precarious position as a clause in the law says providers can be retroactively sued if the law goes back into effect after being struck down by a court. Tensions remain high over the large infrastructure and human infrastructure bill. Schumer says the goal is to get both done in the next month, but little is clear. Speaking about the larger $3.5 trillion bill, Biden has conceded in a few meetings that he expects the final version to weigh in between $1.9 and $2.3 trillion. He maintains, though, that he is committed to pass everything that he campaigned on. Senate leaders announced an agreement on the 7th to extend the government's borrowing authority into December, temporarily averting an unprecedented federal default. McConnell made the GOP offer a day earlier, just before the Republicans were prepared to block longer-term legislation to set suspend the debt limit. 
The agreement will allow for raising the debt limit by about $480 billion, which is what the Treasury has said is needed to get to December. This sets the stage for December, when Congress will again face pressing deadlines to fund the government and raise the limit before heading home for the holidays. Biden's nominations to the federal bench have been successful, on track to get more nominated and more confirmed than Trump, or ever. Four nominees have been successfully confirmed, all black women. The president has affirmed that he has a commitment to boost representation personally and professionally at high levels of the government. The latest hearings this week were for Lucy Coe, nominee to the Ninth Circuit, and Jonathan Cantor, one of the progressives named to a top antitrust post. Senator Rand Paul is reaching across the aisle to end animal testing mandates. The Kentucky Republican is joining forces with New Jersey Democratic Senator Cory Booker to introduce the FDA Modernization Act, which would end mandates that say that experimental drugs have to be tested on animals before human trials. President Biden is expected to restore boundaries of three American national monuments that were downsized by former President Trump, officials said on the 7th. The announcement, expected on the 8th, would protect large areas in Utah and the Atlantic Ocean from ranching, drilling, mining, and commercial fishing. While all of this comes as the nation's highest court begins its new term on the 4th, which is also when they resumed in-person oral arguments in Washington, D.C., the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. Expected topics to be heard at the Supreme Court include abortions and gun violence, and experts are predicting that the new conservative lean might bode towards sweeping changes in decisions on constitutional precedent. And with that, I've been Ram, and this has been Politics for the Rowan Report. I'm Victoria Baker with your international news. The Vatican says Pope Francis has learned with sorrow about the sexual abuse in the French Catholic Church. A new report this week found that over 200,000 minors have been sexually assaulted by the French clergy since 1950 and that most of the abuse happened between 1950 and 1968. On Tuesday, a statement from the Vatican said that all the Pope's thoughts go to the victims with great sorrow for their wounds. It said his thoughts also go to the Church of France so that it may embark on a path of redemption, following the awareness of a terrible reality. Advanced X-ray technology is revealing more details in a love letter sent between the last French queen and her alleged Swedish lover. Letters exchanged between Marie Antoinette and Count Axel von Fersen during the French Revolution are kept in the French National Archives. Researchers in France used X-rays, fluorescent spectroscopy, and found differences in the inks used, which helped them discover hidden words like beloved, adore, and madly. The researchers believed von Fersen was censoring the letters himself by redacting words that could get him in trouble with Antoinette's husband, King Louis XVI. The study even revealed a failed attempt by von Fersen to get the royal family out of France. The king and queen were eventually executed in 1793. Fans of Winnie the Pooh have a chance to own a piece of the story. England's Pooh Stick Bridge became the setting where Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh invented the game Pooh Stick. In A.A. Minley's 1928 book, The House of the Pooh Corner, now the iconic bridge is hitting the auction block in the late 90s. Disney largely funded building a new sturdier bridge after the original became a popular tourist destination. The move allowed the original bridge to be restored. Summer Place Auction says the auction starts on Wednesday and the bridge is expected to go over $81,000. A British teen is now the youngest person to circumnavigate the earth in an airplane. 18-year-old Travis Ludlow 
took off from the Netherlands airport on May 29th and returned to the country 44 days later. Along his journey, Ludlow also made stops in Poland, Russia, the United States, Canada, Britain, and more. He originally wanted to take his flight in May of 2020, but the COVID-19 pandemic delayed his trip. In spite of the postponement, he is still able to make the journey and break the record with 13 days to spare. A Russian film crew has arrived at the International Space Station. Actor Yula Persild and director Klim Shimpenko blasted off from Kazakhstan on Tuesday in a race to see who can make the first featured film in space. They're now docked at the ISS. Videos show them floating around the space station. They're working on a film called The Challenge, which follows a surgeon who has to operate in space. The crew is expected to return to Earth on October 17th. Last year, actor Tom Cruise announced he was teaming up with SpaceX to make a movie in orbit. His launch date has not been yet announced. That was your international news. I'm Victoria Baker. And now it's time for local news with me, Sam Whalen. A Pennsylvania bill that would give parents online access to a school's curriculum is advancing. State Representative Andrew Lewis says the bill simply brings the state into the 21st century by making sure that, especially in an environment of remote learning, parents can access the information they're entitled to online. Critics of the bill say it will drag education right into the middle of the culture wars, and it's an invitation to the book burners and anti-maskers to harass schools and teachers. They added that parents can already ask for this information, and it would only further strain school districts. The bill passed the state house recently and now heads to the Senate. Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott continues to quarantine at home after testing positive for COVID-19 recently. The mayor says because he was vaccinated, he did not end up in a hospital bed or on a ventilator, and he has some advice for city residents. Mayor Scott says he initially had a few body aches, but no fever or nausea, and he feels normal now. The mayor is not sure when he was exposed to the virus, but he did attend some recent events where he took his mask off on occasion. He says in hindsight he would have taken his mask wearing to the next level. The mayor will continue to work remotely until he is cleared to return to City Hall. State officials are reminding Pennsylvanians that they can vote early in person by mail ballot for the upcoming municipal election. Officials say voting in person by mail ballot before Election Day is an easy and convenient option for voters who do not want to return their ballot by mail and who cannot or do not want to go to the polls on November the 2nd. Voters can visit their county election office or satellite election office to apply for a mail ballot, and officials will check their eligibility and give them a ballot once verified. Voters can then fill their ballots out and cast it in one visit. The deadline to apply for a mail ballot and vote by mail in person is October the 26th. The second prize $1 million Mega Millions lottery ticket sold in New Jersey for the recent drawing was bought at a liquor store in Mercer County. The winner purchased the lucky ticket at Adriano's Liquor on North Clinton Avenue in Trenton, New Jersey, lottery officials said. It was one of two tickets sold across the country that matched five numbers, but not the Mega Ball. The other was bought in Florida. In addition, there were three $10,000 tickets bought in New Jersey, each of which matched four numbers plus the Mega Ball. From Jeff Goldman at NJ Advanced Media for NJ.com, a New Jersey serial killer who lured women to their deaths through the use of social media is being sentenced to 160 years in prison. 25-year-old Khalil Wheeler-Weaver sat motionless as the judge read out his sentence in state court in Newark. Prosecutors say he used dating apps to meet and kill three women five years ago. A woman who survived her attack delivered key testimony during the trial when one of the deceased victim's friends used social media to track Wheeler-Weaver down in the first place. From Dan Quayar at 6ABC.com, a New Jersey man who was caught on video going on a racist rant during the summer is now facing more than two dozen charges. Edward Matthews, 45, was charged with bias intimidation and harassment. 
Video captured Matthews' racially charged words against a neighbor on July the 2nd, which sparked large protest outside of his home days later. He was arrested on July 5th and is now facing a total of 22 charges. The new charges stem from an incident that allegedly happened a year before the racist rant. Matthews is accused of leaving a threatening note and vandalizing someone's car, the Burlington County Prosecutor's Office said. The victim, who wanted only to be identified as Gibbons, says he apparently wrote the note after successfully running one of her friends out of the neighborhood. Authorities say four people who were in the crowd during the July protest were charged as well, with crimes that included discharging pepper spray at the police, spitting at officers, and damage to Matthews' property. A study from Quote Wizard is ranking Pennsylvania third in the nation when it comes to not trusting the government over child COVID-19 vaccines. According to the study from the analytical site, about 56% of Pennsylvanians don't trust the government. Over 61% are worried about the side effects of the vaccine, and that is by far the main reason why parents are hesitant to vaccinate their children. The only states beating Pennsylvania when it comes to not trusting the government are New Jersey and Iowa. I'm Sam Whalen, and that was your local news. I'm Dante DiValerio, and this is your Rowan News. Rowan University will continue the current mask requirement until further notice. Rowan continues to monitor transmission rates in and around our campuses and will reevaluate the requirement as conditions warrant. Rowan University is following CDC and state guidance and is requiring all students, faculty, and staff, regardless of vaccination status, to wear masks in all classrooms, lecture halls, laboratories, and other crowded indoor spaces. Small groups of vaccinated individuals, however, may continue to meet unmasked if social distancing is achievable, and the group agrees to the arrangement. Unvaccinated individuals, however, should continue to wear masks regardless of group size, and the medical schools will continue to follow their respective protocols. I'm Dante DiValerio, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, political, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Roan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Roan Radio News Team. I'm Nick Earnshaw with your news around the sports world. Taking a look at Roan sports and more specifically the Roan women's volleyball team. They were able to defeat Rutgers Newark on Tuesday 3-0. The process, the team had 43 kills as well as Cassidy Abdallah tying her career high with 12 kills. This is now nine wins in a row for the profs. The women's volleyball team will be back in action next Tuesday on the road against NJCU. Moving along to the Rowan field hockey team, they took on 11th-ranked TCNJ on Tuesday and won by a final score of 1 to nothing. Christina Casignola scored the only goal of the game in overtime to secure the victory. The Profs' next game will be today at home against Kane University. As for the soccer teams, the Rowan men's soccer team, they will be back in action today on the road at William Patterson. The last time the men's team played was last Saturday when they won 2-0 over NJCU. The Profs look to extend their winning streak to 3 today. The women's soccer team fell to York College of Pennsylvania on Wednesday by a final score of 2-1. The women's soccer team looks to bounce back today at home against William Patterson. The Rowan University football team will be on the road this weekend at Kane University. They are coming off a bye week following a loss to Salve Regina. I was able to catch up with Prof's leading receiver, John Maldonado, to get his thoughts heading into the Prof's matchup against Kane. What has the bye week taught you? What have you guys worked on heading into uh, the game against Kane this weekend? 
I think for me, the bye week honestly just taught me that I just want. I wish I wish we were playing. Like I think I think everybody we kind of had, especially after coming off a loss like that, we kind of didn't want to have a layoff. We kind of wanted to get right back into the into things. But I think also it helped us like kind of clear our minds a little bit. You know, gave us that little time to get that loss out of our head. And you know, and I think we're just we're honestly we didn't change much parent wise we're doing everything we've been doing obviously we're throwing in some new adjustments here and there but we're kind of just staying staying the course and i mean we have a good shot to win the game this weekend yeah so you know kane they they got their first win against christopher newport you guys are looking Mm -hmm. for your first win against kane uh what are your expectations heading into saturday's game um i think uh, coach of course he has preached to us this, this week um they're a similar team to us he's been saying they're a younger team which means they're going to be hungry you know, they're coming off a conference win, something that we don't have at all, but especially a conference win. Um, I think from what I've seen from them, we just got to take what they give us. You know, if they're going to give us the short stuff, like underneath the routes or what we're going to get in the run game, we're just going to take what they give us and just until they make adjustments, just keep hitting at that stuff. So for you individually, what is one goal you have for the rest of the season? Um, Obviously, you said individually, but I'll still say first is to get as many wins as possible. And then I guess individually, like personally, I set goals before the season of, you know, trying to be a, a all-conference player and just trying to get my name out there more. Not that I need the recognition, but just, you know, have people have, like know that I've put the work in and, you know, I've been kind of grinding and deserve, you know, if I've been playing good and stuff like that. And that was your sports news with me, Nick Earnshaw, right here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. business update. General Motors is setting big goals for the future, including doubling the revenue by 2030. CEO Mary Barra and others have talked about the automaker's future during their first day of the 2021 Investor Day program that began Wednesday at the Technical Center in Warren, Michigan. The company focused on their future in electrical vehicles and also their electrical vehicle startup company, BrightDrop. GM President Mike Royce told investors the company plans to sell 1 million electric vehicles globally by 2025. Talks on raising the nation's debt limit that began Wednesday are stretched into Thursday. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Minority Leader Mitch McConnell are haggling over how big the increase will be. Just after midnight on Thursday, Schumer said on the Senate floor that he and McConnell hope they can wrap up negotiations in a matter of hours. The New York Democrats said, we are making good progress, but we're not there yet. Target is adding a buy now, pay later option ahead of the holiday shopping season. The box retailer told USA Today on Wednesday it will offer shoppers more ways to pay for purchases with installment plans from a firm and Sezzle. Target says the new options let consumers buy what they need to take advantage of the store's best deals while paying at a pace that works for them. The Minnesota-based chain has become the latest retailer to jump on the buy now, pay later bandwagon. Amazon and Walmart have adopted flexible payment installment plans, and so has Macy's and Bed Bath & Beyond. Work at all Kellogg's U.S. cereal plants is out of stop as workers went on strike. Over 1,400 workers have stopped working as the union and company have argued over pay and benefit issues. Kellogg insists that their offer is fair and that they would increase benefits and wages for employees that made an average of $120,000 last year. It is not clear if the supply of any of the company's brands would be affected. I'm Megan Steckler and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Jacqueline Robinson. 
Lady Gaga is opening up about her last performance with Tony Bennett earlier this year. Bennett, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2016, recognized Gaga during their final performance at Radio City Music Hall in honor of his 95th birthday. Speaking to 60 Minutes, Gaga said she thought the singer was forgetting who she was because he called her sweetheart. However, he said her name on stage and proved her wrong. Gaga says Bennett does not let the disease hover over him, but instead he transforms when the music comes on stage and knows exactly what he is doing. A South Korean survivor thriller is on track to become the biggest show ever on Netflix, but that comes with the price. More people watching Squid Game means more users online, and that's why an internet provider in South Korea is suing. The company wants the streaming giant to cover the costs of increased internet traffic and maintenance. Netflix says it will review the claim and find a workaround to prevent customers from being affected. Pop star Adele is getting set to drop new music. The singer announced her new single, Easy On Me, will release next Friday. Adele last dropped an album in 2015 when her Project 25 sold 11 million copies and won Album of the Year at the Grammys. Easy On Me will be available on streaming platforms everywhere on October 15th. Pop star Britney Spears is lashing out at her family for not helping to free her from a 13-year conservatorship. In a new Instagram post, she claims they're still toxic even after her estranged father was removed as guardian of her estate last week. The newly engaged singer has accused him of abusing his role. She's also spoken out against her younger sister. The 39-year-old ended her post by thanking her new lawyer, saying he's changing her life. Ed Sheeran is joining The Voice. Starting later this month, he's set to be a mega mentor on the current season. He'll make his debut on October 25th. HBO is giving Game of Thrones fans a look at the upcoming prequel, House of the Dragon. A teaser trailer for the show, which is set 200 years before the Game of Thrones story, has dropped. The storyline will follow the House of Targaryen and its civil war that's often called the Dance of the Dragons. HBO confirms the 10-episode series will come out next year. The show is based off of the book Fire and Blood by George R.R. R. Martin. It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown is returning to public TV after a hiatus this year. The Peanuts Halloween special was only viewable on Apple TV Plus in 2020. However, this year, Apple has reached a deal with PBS to air the spooky special this month. Following public outcry last year over It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, Apple allowed the Peanuts Thanksgiving and Christmas specials to air on PBS. Those favorites will also be back on the PBS schedule this year. TV's Captain Kirk will take a real-life flight into space aboard a Blue Origin rocket next week. William Shatner will launch on a new Shepard rocket built by the company founded by Amazon's Jeff Bezos. The 90-year-old Shatner will be a part of a four-person crew set to launch on October 12th. They will launch to the edge of space from West Texas and the capsule will parachute down the desert about 15 minutes later. Shatner said, quote-unquote, I've heard about space for a long time now. I'm taking the opportunity to see it for myself. I'm Jacqueline Rasmussen, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.